The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Z-Pod. We thank you for listening. If you're a new listener to our broadcast or podcast, uh, we certainly welcome you. This is number 10 message with our series that we're doing in 2018 with Gen Z. Our plan is to take the entire year of 2018 and give you a full meal deal when it comes to understanding all the aspects that we can possibly find out about Gen Z. We do get complaints about so much being said about Gen Z. In fact, one particular listener asked us to change things up. You need to understand something. Every single one of these podcasts that we're doing All of our writings on weekly emails and all of the radio broadcasts are being transcribed and all of that is going to be put in a book and hopefully released in January 2019. The editor uh, revealed to me just this past week that she finished chapter 7 and this is only the 1st of April. It is going to be an extensive writing project full of a great deal of content, and we're hoping that this content is going to be able to cover every aspect, concern, theological bump, and everything else that comes with Generation Z or the present generation we have today. It should be the type of book that you can use in classrooms for personal Bible studies, or simply to find answers, help on how to raise a Gen Zer. Our mission is pretty simple. The bottom line is we want to equip the generations through the mind of Christ. And those of you who are new to our listening audience, This cannot take place unless you actually have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. There is a huge difference between becoming an expert at speaking out about the principles in life of Jesus Christ versus someone who has even done their homework on the externals of Jesus Christ, but the true wisdom and knowledge and understanding is coming from within, because the life of Christ lives within them. So we want to help members of the body of Christ to experience, mature in, and communicate effectively the message of who the believer is in Christ. Here's today's message. Atheistic worldview. Now, there may be some listeners who think they know what atheism is. And then there may be some listeners who truly know what atheism is. But I'm going to give you a piece of actual history of where atheism was born, 
which I'll actually give you the date right now so you can be thinking about this, but it initially surfaced 500 years before Jesus was born. So atheism has a rich history and a reaction that a certain group of Greeks had against multiple gods. We're going to tie that into Gen Z tonight. So a quick definition is atheism is, in the broadest sense, the absence of belief in the existence of any form of a supreme God with a capital G or gods. Here's our three objectives. Yes, internal beliefs, what beliefs you have in your mind right now is what produces a culture. But something has to happen before that can happen is those internal beliefs actually have to go collective. Aaron, if you and your brother make a decision to work through some of your internal beliefs and you both find perfect agreement on those internal beliefs, you have what they call a club. And if you add another member to that club and another member to that club and you keep doing that through the generations, you'll understand what culture means. The populace is what creates the culture. But initially started with some wacko thinking he had life all figured out and formed a club. So even though the term worldview is relatively new to our verbiage, it is a great word. Overall, it is a comprehensive conception or appreciation of the world, especially from the specific set of internal beliefs. A human mind left to itself has only one foundational cognitive orientation, and that is self-thought as original thought. It's really one of the greatest deceptions that's in the world of thinking today, is that if you're sitting there right now and you are figuring things out or you're listening and trying to figure things out or you're listening and yet have another opinion and you're thinking that that thought that you have is original thought, you are deceived. People are almost like receivers. When you make the claim that Jesus Christ lives and breathes within you, you're a born-again believer, you are a receiver of Jesus Christ. He can speak to your mind. He can use your mind. Well, that works on the side of evil as well. We tend to think that there's a third category of gods in the world today. There's God warring against Satan, and then there's mankind. And the truth is, and the reality is, that's just simply not true. There's God's reality, and then there's Satan's reality. Original thought promotes an individual or society that encompasses the whole of self-achieved knowledge and point of view. The problem with this philosophy in God's reality is that it is a philosophy. And that almost sounds a bit redundant 
But it isn't. Philosophy is literally studying theories. Theories is just ideas that humanoids put together to try to answer a set of questions. So it becomes a theory. But the interesting thing is, is that theory comes from Theo. So when you have Theo, originally what it was was the study of God. We have to ask ourselves, where did all these multiple gods come from? If, if the Greeks were into multiple gods, where'd they come from? Some human self-thought person sat and came up with the goddess of, of, of air. How was this formed? I'm telling you how it was formed. It was formed through the demonic world with a willing receiver to have self-thought that in the demonic world has no problem with you taking ownership of their thoughts, their oppression, their ideas, their methodology. They have no problem with it. As long as you take ownership of it, you'll try to form some culture around it. And that's what's happened. Theories are classically based on a particular branch of knowledge or experience, putting an emphasis on theoretical. In other words, God not yet proven. It's a theory. Well, what it boils down to is this. Chosen theory, or do you believe that you're chosen? Now, really, that is where a lot of people have a very difficult time accepting the reality of Jesus Christ because he made it very clear and it's documented that we don't choose Christ. He chooses us. So that puts the the uh, unbelievers in a very awkward position because it's basically saying there's a bunch of us that are going to go to hell here. And why weren't we chosen? So what has happened, there's been a, an entire shift in society and in culture and in this generation that these people have moved traditional Christianity away from that thinking and they are the ones making all the choices. So they are saying, we will choose. So the act of defiance here is against Jesus Christ and who God chooses through his son to be his son's bride is God's business. It isn't my business. But since I don't know who he has chosen, I must evangelize everybody. But I need to remember a simple reality. According to Hebrew code, the percentages of tithing are what? Again, 10% tithing versus 90%. What did he say do with the 90%? Well, most say it's to spend it on whatever I want to spend it on. The 90-10 is Hebrew coding. That same percentage is what is referenced in the New Testament as the road to destruction is wide and many are on it and the road to heaven, eternal life is narrow and fewer on it. 
I will not be surprised when I get to stand in front of the living Jesus Christ and hear the actual percentage that made it in its totality in the end. I believe it will be 10% of the entire human race. Now what that does, that reality does, is it it sets 90% of the people ever born or who have been born today or will be born in the future in a bitter position. Revenge always follows bitterness. There are facts they're thinking through that may be used since you've been a pew setter your entire life. There are facts they're thinking about that you probably aren't. So when the church comes out and says 90% of the people ever born or have been born or will be born probably will be on that wide road and will not go to heaven, that is a scary thought. Anyone that has any type of reasonable thinking ability will look at 90-10 in their own house. Do you understand that? That 90% of the people in your house tonight could be on this wide road. Now I'm going to explain to you something that's not a theory but is a fact. So you won't leave this message judging God for his judgment. Can God look into the past and see the past? Is that a yes or no? Can God look into the present and see the present? Can God look into the future and see the future? Does God know who is going to be saved tonight after this message? Does God know who is going to be saved 2020 on August 15? Is any of that going to be a surprise to him? Does God know that there is a resistor that after this message tonight is going to curse me? Does God know that someone in August 15 of 2025 is going to curse God and say, I will never receive your son? Do you understanding that Christ choosing us is predestined because he can see the future? It's not a selective process of some of you are bad and some of you are good enough to have Christ. He knows who's going to say, read my lips, God, I don't want you. He knows by name those of you who are listening and others who are going to deny Jesus Christ indefinitely. So of course you're not going to be chosen to be a bridal member. But if God keeps to his numeric coding, 90% of the people you're going to see tomorrow are not going to receive this message of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. 90%. You're going to go home tonight and just take a moment and look around your house 
And you go, 90% of the people in this house are probably thinking they're saved, but they're on a very wide road of Christendom that's going to lead them to the pit of hell. The greatest way to deceive a generation is to get them to think they are Christians. Does it get any sweeter for that for Satan? To get an entire generation thinking that they are a Christian when they're not a true indwelt born again Christian. They'll never ask him. They'll never repent of their sins. They'll never want a new life. They'll never know that they weren't a goat. There shall come a day when he will separate the goats from the sheep. Do you realize that goats like to hang out with sheep? Do you realize that goats kind of think they're sheep? But boy, are they bad. (laughs) Because they're not sheep. But they can act like them. The goats are stubborn. They're independent. They're selfish. Sheep are very clingy. They need each other. They admit to the fact they need a shepherd. Not goats. If you hold your feet too close to a goat, it'll eat your socks. That's how stupid a goat is. They devour everything around them. People don't want to be sheep. They don't want to be dependent. They don't want to be cuddly. They don't want to be God's favorite animal. You see, they want to be independent. And it's affecting everything in society. So there are two critical crises of belief in this ideology. First, self-thought is based on chosen theory. Theory is a plausible or scientifically acceptable general principle or body of principles offered to explain a phenomena. Like the supernatural, like a miracle. We know how well science does with that. All of this basically centering around on trying to prove that there really is a single God, a God of the universe. So God is not a theory. He's a theo. He's a life giver. Secondly, Satan's home base is in and around the tree of knowledge versus, of course, the tree of life. And Christ Jesus functions around this tree of life. And in the Hebrew, that actually means breath of God. Whereas if you run over to the tree of knowledge and look up for the Hebrew definition of the tree of knowledge, and here's what you get, listener. Listen to this very carefully and attempt to prove me wrong at 602-292-2982. Here's what the Hebrew says it is. Cunning, to know, discover oneself, or based on observations. All of it is external. But it's cunning, it's trickery, sorcery, it's witchcraft. That is how Satan functions in his tree, is through witchcraft, cunning, Making it all about self-discovery. Now that Hebrew 
meaning and definition has been around for a very long time, but I just find it interesting how that definition defines our culture today. Cunning people. Everyone's into discovering themselves. Hugging a tree. Saving a grasshopper. Eating organics. They're creating these worlds from demonic doctrines. Here we have the colliding beliefs, or should we say the colliding world views. Here's what Romans 10 Verses 14 through 17 says, How then will they call upon him, Jesus Christ, in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good tidings or good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10 verses 14 through 17. Here's the deal. Satan's most cunning and deceptive methodology is to take all those born into the tree of knowledge. We call them unsaved people. I was there once. So were you. And some of you still are. You're born into this tree of knowledge. So the simple facts are, this isn't just God-logical deduction. This is human deduction. Because... Anything you're born into, you're going to grow up with. It will become your identity. So the reality is, is that being born into the tree of life puts you into being born into the domain of Satan. Not only that, let's make it a little more cunning. You're born into knowledge. So you see, your whole entire Childhood will be built in and around knowledge. Knowledge of you discovering new things. Self-discovery. So your entire childhood becomes about self-discovery. From your toes, discovering you have toes, all the way to discovering you could be a god. say, oh, come on, people don't really go that far. That's where we get our demigods. Some guy moved in such a position or some lady moved in such a position and built upon that position until others were worshiping them and then they die and someone makes a statue of them and people start worshiping this goddess. It's a simple technique. And this generation we're living in today are tired of all the statues. They're tired of all the religions. They're tired of it. So guess what they're doing? They're going back to an original cunning 
God, self-made God that Satan presented to Eve. You too can be like God. So I am predicting for this next generation, we will make our final shift into the final phase that will usher Jesus Christ in for the second coming. When all of humanity starts making claims that they're God, you will arouse the interest and wrath of God. There's a huge difference in worshiping a statue. You brush the dust off your knees when you're done and you move on. And that statue or that stone is dead. There's no life in it. But when there are live people proclaiming to be God, you're arousing a different kind of wrath from the living God. God is less threatened by stone statues. But when people start running around the earth calling themselves gods, it's time for Jesus to pick us up to take us home. So this is what we have in front of us here. This ultimately keeps his doomed descendants away from the tree of life, the life giver, and keeps them hanging out around him as a god Because they're sucking up knowledge. Here's a pictorial, guys. This is what the identity theft is doing right now. Tonight, tomorrow, and the days to come. Things started out originally on the left side of this diagram. In the beginning, God as the creator... He's the one that placed identity in culture. So you found him in culture. He's the one established his identity in society. So when you looked in society, you saw God. You saw the rules of God. You saw the prophets. You heard that you know, everything kind of was about God. If you don't believe me, read the Old Testament. It was just always about God. And then you had his personal identity markings everywhere, from his prophets walking around, the major ones, the minor ones, to the buildings that were built. It always seemed to be about God. And then you had generational identity that those stories just kept carrying on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Then Satan comes along and says, you know, I can do a great bait and switch here. Satan's plan is always from the existing plans of God. He watches how God functions and he replicates. And us dumb sheep are led to a slaughter So we just start moving, taking the bait, moving over to what we see on the right side of this diagram. And that is, in the end, Satan as a replica takes ownership of culture, ownership of society, ownership of personal identities, and generational identities as well in the entire world. So 
he turns the culture into pluralistic gods. Well, of course he is. Because all those paths lead to who? Satan. So he's not threatened by forming a pluralistic culture. He gets the credit. Because everyone around that multiple path mountain thing are going to him. That's a great plan, honestly. And then society as a global. Let's do that, what the UN is suggesting, and erase the dotted lines around countries. Hey, let's take the new Olympic committee's recommendations and no longer have athletes representing countries that kill each other. They will represent themselves as an athlete. And then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one until it's all one big global society. It's not God's plan, but you know, it's going to work. And then personal atheism. Well, you got to detach from the one God before you can be a God. True or false? True. So here's the irony of atheism. Yes, Gen Z statistics are saying they are doubling, the numbers doubling every generation. It's way out of control now. Atheism typically have been put into the intellectual world basically saying people who have thought this through and have determined that there is no God or gods. What they're not considering is every unbeliever of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit must detach from God, go through atheism. There are no other gods. Are you with me? What's the final Godological conclusion. I am God. I hope our listeners are listening carefully. Every human walking the face of the earth will go through atheism to become their own God. And that's why it's an issue that must be talked about. There are atheistic pastors preaching every day on this globe. You say, how in the world can that be? Oh, if you could only see and listen to the garbage that they preach on building the people in the pews to be their own person. It's atheism. And finally, generations will be formed of haters of God. Why? Because they love themselves. You either got to hate yourself and love God or hate God and love yourself. And that, my friends, are right out of the scriptures and out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. He said, he who loves his life will... He who hates his life will. It doesn't get any clearer than that. I'm just making a Godological connection for you. If you're in love with yourself, you're going to be a hater of God. If you're going to be a lover of God, you're going to be a hater of yourself. 
I do not like Steve Finney. I hate Steve Finney. But I love God and I love his life in me. Therefore, I love the real me. Who is dependent on Jesus Christ. Who's been transformed. Made into a new creation. And presented to the Father as a completed bridal member. But the old Steve Finney is worth hating. But don't forget that. If you love God, you need to hate yourself. If you love yourself, you'll end up hating God. One of our final slides here for tonight is it shouldn't be a surprise to the church today that Christianity is no longer the hub of our society. Since the resurrection of Christ, the culture of Christendom has been at the core of generational ethics, society's belief and beliefs, both for the saved and the unsaved. We talked about that last week. But up to the millennial generation, this seemed to be something that was intact. Something happened right around the change of guards. And the millennials detached from their parents and grandparents and the church and traditional church, or pretty much church in general. So now we have their children going, well, I guess I'm born in the tree of knowledge, so why not grow up in the tree of knowledge? And the internet happens to be the most and most well-educated source for Gen Z. The internet has become the teachers for this generation. And since the internet is based in pluralism, multiple gods would lead you to atheism, we know what's coming. This is so easy to, to predict, it's absolutely ridiculous. So atheism is, in the broadest sense, the absence of belief in an existence of any form of supreme God or gods. Theism is a belief in one single God, classically the God of the Jews in in Christendom. When you place an A in front of theism, according to the Greek, it adds the meaning without concluding with the literal meaning of being without gods. Now get this. The term was originally used 500 years before Christ's resurrection. The original group used it as a self-label, as a defining factor separating them from the pluralistic views of the society of Greeks who worship multiple gods. Literally, believing The Greek gods were forsaking them and and thus they will reject the gods while maintaining a covert belief that a singular God existed. Did you guys get that? See, that's not true atheism. And this went from generation to generation to generation to generation. All they were trying to say is, Look, my own countrymen, you guys are are whacked out believing all these gods and goddesses. So the term atheism was born, A, theism, 
to reject their own country's beliefs of multiple gods while secretly holding that there probably is one single god. And guess who came around and knocked on that door? Paul. And he had a massive movement from the Greeks accepting one singular living God. And most of them, most likely, were of this atheist club. So you atheists that are listening, you're tired of multiple gods. That's why you're making this claim to be an atheist. I think you would highly respect someone who that could show you, truly show you, there is one supreme God, and God rejects all other gods. I like the original meaning of atheism. I think they were doing the right thing by rejecting the multiple gods. And they needed someone to come and knock on their door like Paul and tell them, hey guys, I know what's going on inside you. You're wanting to serve a single God. And boy, do I have good news for you. But you're going to have to go through Jesus Christ to meet him. Now that's just good old-fashioned evangelism. And that is available today. There's not many of us preachers that have such a clear, distinct understanding of the difference between Christ following and true indweltism. But you know what? We may use buzzwords like indweltism. Paul had his verbiage that he used as well to appeal to the Greeks and to the Romans. He became all things to the people that he was preaching with, but he would not adopt their lies and or their culture. Our church is adopting the culture of our people. Why? Someone's got to pay for the lights. Today we call this reactionary beliefs or reactionary ethics. Antiquity shows us that it was this group that openly accepted Paul's preaching on the singularity of one God through Jesus Christ. Here's our identity matter statement. As with any religion, time allows for the evolution or the evolutional refinement of that religion. In the last three decades, atheism has taken on a refined approach to proving there is no empirical evidence that God exists. And as for the problem of evil, well, they have a simple answer for that. Since there is no ideologies or set behaviors that are right and wrong, the standardized beliefs of a monotheistic believer are irrelevant to society. In fact, they just simply in their minds do not exist. So once you get to that level of coldness, no matter what evidence you do give them, typically ends up with, well, it doesn't matter. You're irrelevant to me. 
Christianity is irrelevant to society. You guys are old school. Stay with us as we continue to develop the issues around worldview and Gen Z. Next week, we're going to specifically talk about, well, how in the world do you go from being a theist to an atheist? And I think you're going to find some of the details and research with that pretty interesting. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.